This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. So welcome to News Laundry Conversations. Today I am thrilled and actually very, very excited to have with me Kritika Pandey. Well, actually she's miles away in the US, but I'm having a conversation on Zoom. Hi, Kritika. Hi, Abhinandan. So uh, Kritika has written a short story called The Great Indian Tea and Snakes. And this has won the Commonwealth Short Story Prize. It's the winner from Asia. So congratulations, Kritika. Very, very excited and thrilled. And I will have, you know, I'll, I'll be one of those relatives who trousseau themselves in for reflected glory. Kritika is a newsletter <laughs> subscriber and she has attended subscribers meets when I was in the US. So congratulations, Kritika. Wonderful news. When I saw and read, I wanted to check if it is in fact you. And I'm very happy to see it is you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I actually read your story just this afternoon, just before we started recording Hafta. Actually, I was in office mm-hmm. on the Tata website. So the link to the short story is going to be below this podcast page. Uh, now, A, tell me uh, a little bit about this prize uh, and our audience about what is this? Uh, it's like a, a contest that happens every year and there's a regional prize from every uh, continent. They give, give one prize. Yes, so it's a short story, annual short story competition. And um, the the unique thing about this competition is that they have um, judges from different contexts and uh, only people in the Commonwealth countries are allowed to participate. But within those countries, there's a lot of flexibility in terms of language. Uh, so you can submit works in translation and you, know, you can submit works in uh, Bengali, for instance, Sometimes I think I, I think I'm not sure, but they get their own translators um, if you if you require. And uh, you know, you, you wrote your version in English. You, you did yeah. not write in any other language. Okay. Yeah, yeah, mine was in English from the beginning. Um, but the thing about this competition is that the judging panel will always be very diverse and very um, well read in in the literature of global south. So they are very or they are looking to make sure that they are they are reading uh, into the socio-political contexts of the respective writers. And unlike in the United States, if you submit to a competition or a magazine, um, they would not, they wouldn't even know like what, what is the Hindu Muslim conflict or anything else about any other part of the world. So um, they are not struck by it um, because they are not aware. So that's the difference. And I feel like it shouldn't be in 2020, such a unique thing, such a rare thing that a short story competition is so diverse, but it is. So um, before you tell our audience about your short story, uh, I can just tell, uh, tell them a little bit. Uh, it has a lot of commentary on what we see around. There is one bit where someone is asked to remove his skull cap, put on a saffron bandana or whatever gumcha it is. It's a love story between a Muslim man and a Hindu girl. Uh, and you say this has caused some consternation online. And uh, before you tell us about what kind of feedback and reactions you got from it, can mm. you tell us what was your inspiration? Why do you think of it? And just without giving away the story, what do you think it's about? For you, what, what were you writing about? I was responding to the contemporary socio-political upheavals in India um, for the past several years. Every every year when I'm visiting my parents, um, some terrible thing or the other happens. Um, so mob violence is a very, very big part of Jharkhand now. And I think it was Brinda Karat who said that Jharkhand has now become Linjistan. 
And in 2019, when I was visiting my parents, um, Tabrez Ansari was lynched, not very far from our house. The proximity uh, of the event to where I was uh, really shook me up. And I'd, I'd heard about uh, murders like these in Rajasthan and Haryana, in Uttar Pradesh also. But when I was in Jharkhand and when it happened so close to my house, it really shook me up and I, I decided to um, respond to it in, in whatever limited capacity I could as a writer. I see. And where are you from and what are you doing right now? You could just tell our audience that as well. Yeah, I'm from Ranchi. I grew up in Ranchi. Uh, I was born in Ranchi, but I mean, for a very sort of brief time, I we migrated to Surat for five years and then we came back when I was a kid. And currently, I two months ago, I defended my MFA thesis at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Uh, I was pursuing an MFA in creative writing. Okay. And is that done and dusted? Yes, it's done. And I, I actually today received my uh, degree, formal degree certificate. Oh, congratulations. So lots of good it's things happened within the same week. Nice. Uh, and how long have you been in the States now? I've been here almost four years. I see. So um, now this was your response to the kind of socio-political upheaval you see around. Mm-hmm. How has the response been among the Indian community there, I mean, I'm sure you have some sort of a peer group that also has Indians, not just uh, people mm. from other parts of the world, which mm. most universities, I'm sure, do. And what has the response been back home in Jharkhand? Right. So uh, here, there's a actually majority of Indians who live in the United States are very conservative, especially people my age, uh, you know, who come here to study engineering um, because there's no exposure to social sciences in India when you are becoming an engineer. But I do have a small group of uh, friends here who are very progressive and uh, think think in terms of um, the the socio political developments in in different parts of the world. So they really appreciated it, and um, they they shared my work. And at the same time, I feel like they were they were a little afraid for me because of the trolling that was taking place on Twitter. And I feel like because we live so far away from India, we sometimes lose sense of like how dangerous is this kind of trolling on Twitter. So when I asked my journalist friends in India, they told me, "Ye ye roz ka hai. Don't worry about it." So, um, but then in Jharkhand, um, there's two kinds of, uh, obviously, two kinds of responses. Like, on the one hand, people are very supportive and they're like, this is the story of our times. This is the story you uh, one needed to tell. And on the other hand, there are these people, including some members of my own family, uh, men, who are like, you, you should not have written this story. Why didn't you write a story where the girl was a Muslim and the boy was a Hindu? So that's their primary contention. Um, for my immediate family, I feel like it doesn't matter to them, even though they are conservative and, uh, I mean, relatively conservative. I don't think it matters to them what the story is really saying or doing as long as I'm getting this award. So those are the different kinds of responses. There's an achievement there. So this is, you yeah. have achieved something. Larki Bahar Gai famous for guys. So that's a good thing. Yeah. And you know, you know how it is like for Indian parents, like Desi parents, they will not appreciate you unless someone else does like it doesn't matter how much you accomplish uh, unless someone else some big organization especially white people if they give you an award then you know it's validation it's, yeah that's major validation but uh, i mean of course the commonwealth short story prize the most of the team is is primarily white but i was very thrilled to see that the judging panel this time had so many people of color 
So um, one thing that struck me was, I'm sure you you think the dialogue in Hindi, right? Because of you know where it's set, what your story is about, the conversations. Um, they are in English, of course. Hmm. In your head, did you like have to really try to kind of make it sound natural? Like I'm sure to a an audience that doesn't know Hindi, this would seem completely a normal conversation. Hmm. But at some point, did you were you ever tempted to say, let me put the dialogue in Hindi uh, because just where it's set, it 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 would be a little more um, natural. Uh, and then were you afraid that the translation would kill it, or did you didn't even thought didn't even cross you that have the dialogue in Hindi? No, the thought definitely crossed me. This is a very difficult decision every time I write a story because my context is um, based out of multiple languages. And so, especially when I'm writing about working class people, like writing it in the English language seems a little jarring. And so there's one uh, dialogue, one sentence, which is completely in Hindi. And there are a few Hindi words and um, English uh, sentences. But other than that, like most of the story is in English, um, the, the way people understand it all over the world. But uh, yeah, I was scared that I, you know, like I want to make sure that this story, this very local story has a, a global appeal. I wanted to make sure people everywhere in the world can access it, read it, learn about what's happening in India and respond to it in their own way. But at the same time, I wanted to keep the flavor of the local language and culture intact. And I mean, I made I made choices um, which which were probably not always perfect, but I, I feel like they never will be in, in this process. Um, and there's always a trade-off. Now, all of us now know who Kritika is because I'm sure a lot of people have read Kritika Pandey's short story. But have you written many others other than this that people can read? Do you have a blog? Uh, are you trying to publish it in like some sort of a collection of short stories, book kind of thing? Um, I actually, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm not proud of any other story or would want to share any other work as publicly as this one because everything else like... I just feel like it's really crappy, but I do have a website, um, kritikapande.com and uh, some of my works are hyperlinked there for anybody who's interested, but I've not published a novel or a short story collection yet. Uh, I'm working on my first novel uh, and I used to have a blog when I was in college, but then I stopped blogging because I realized that I was, I was getting too carried away by the instant gratification um, aspect of blogging that you would write, that you can write a blog post and then people instantly like it or comment on it. Um, so in order to learn how to write a novel, I had to disappear from, from the public sphere a little bit. Okay. So just for the people listening, that's Kritika Pandey with an EY. KritikaPandey.com if you do want to check out her website. Uh, now, Kritika, um, I have met you, you know, when I was there for the News Laundry subscribers meet. And I often see your commentary on the News Laundry groups. Mm. I mean, I am middle-aged going fast into, I guess, older Tauji from Chachaji age. I'm going into Tauji age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have written several mails, I know, uh, being critical of mm-hmm. my particular take on whether it's trans issues or gender issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I see this a lot, you know, as I'm growing older, with, whether it's with my nieces and nephews uh, who are now somewhere in our teens, somewhere in, the, in their 20s. Mm-hmm. You find a kind of fissures even among people who one would consider having liberal values and, and an outlook that would be a little more liberal and, and not quite as, you know, conservative or the dhakosle jojo 
पुराने जमाने के ऐसे नहीं करते लड़कियों को ऐसे नहीं करना चाहिए डू यू फाइंड दैट इंक्रीजिंग विद टाइम यू थिंक माय जनरेशन इज नॉट एबल टू कीप अप विद द वोकनेस ऑफ योर जनरेशन बिकॉज आई एक्चुअली डू फाइंड अ लॉट ऑफ दैट एंड आई समटाइम्स ग्रैपल लाइक समवन रिकमेंडेड इनफैक्ट एन ऑफन एंड ऑसम लिसनर रिकमेंडेड आई वॉच अ फिल्म कॉल्ड डिस्कलोजर ऑन ट्रांस इशूज बिकॉज they found my commentary on trans sometimes a little ignorant and i saw that film and i realized yes in many ways i was but do you see this increasing as as we get older and you guys also get get older mm-hmm. yeah no i mean i mean i'd like to start by saying that my relationship with news laundry i feel like it's 4 years old now and it's like my relationship with my family back in jharkhand where like i have you know i have issues and i it's they get problematic but at the same time i i can't do without them and i don't want to but because they do define me in a certain way and so news laundry is like that like i i love the conversational nature of of the way you of the podcasts etc and i also like you know how people get goofy while talking about these important national issues etc um but ob- obviously i feel like yes I, as young people we have a very different set of belief system and uh, we are often critical of the older generation because they're not able to keep up um but i feel like and and i feel like this is always going to be this way that there will be fault lines and conflicts within uh what seems like a a homogenous group of people um i i think what's important is to is to not give up is to not be like okay you know what this is not working uh, i i'm going to sort of move on and then look for another group where everyone will agree with me and i'll agree with everyone else that's not going to happen it's impractical i think what's very useful is the conversations that are generated when you point something out that's not working for you uh in another person's point of view or they do the same and then when you talk about it i feel like you there's a whole new perspective that's generated and as long as we are able to keep having those conversations we should be fine but i also would like to add that you know especially the part of united states that i'm living in new england people are very politically correct and very woke over woke rather and it's i believe that it's sometimes actually a very lazy approach of of dealing with people who are not like you because it comes from a place of fear it comes from a place of fear of making mistakes and also it is related to uh, this individualistic western centric sense of um keeping your brand image as a person intact you know like you don't want to make a mistake but you don't really care about contributing to the collective furthering of collective goals or the larger conversation um so that's why you'd rather be scared and not say something or just say the most politically correct things in instead of being honest uh, and open about it and and exposing um uh, you know everyone else's uh, biases and prejudices in the process so i feel like both those both those things are a problem like i feel like older generation should uh, try to keep up with us but at the same time i wouldn't want all of you to like completely become like us because a lot of the times we learn from uh, our conversations with you and i wish young people like me we would stop being overwork all the time sometimes we can't help it but it's useful that our friends point it out okay um now coming to social media and the trolling you faced there i'm mm-hmm. guessing most people on social media are closer to your age and not closer to mine i mm. I, i i think i mean i don't have any data to back this but my mm-hmm. assumption is that you know my uh, age group would be a minority on social media uh, mm. and yours would be the majority yet 
the kind of commentary I see on social media shocks me sometimes. Hmm. You think even within that generation, which is your generation, hmm. this kind of stories that you have written, for example, you know, this one, I mean, this is the only one I've read. So, hmm. you know, the great Indian tea and snakes, would this story resonate with your age group or is there this major pulling apart irrespective of age group? It's more to do with, uh, it's more to do with, I don't know, geography. Is it more to do with language? Where do you think, or you think that it's got nothing to do with that? It's just every individual mindset on his or her own. Yeah, I mean, so my story has young people in it and it's from the perspective of young people, but it's not meant for young people only. And I would, I would like to believe that anybody who's open to thinking like a young person, open to thinking like somebody who feels vulnerable in a ch rapidly changing world uh, would, would be able to engage with my story. But uh, I, I feel like there are many people who are my age who are deeply conservative and, and bigoted um, and told people like me or, or other people on social media when they try to speak truth to power. But at the same time, just because people in the older generation don't participate in that kind of trolling, doesn't mean that they don't have those views. So I, I feel like the conservative versus progressive divide uh, exists in every, every age group, but um, different people, different age groups, they express it differently and use the pre-existing platforms in different ways. So what's like the politics of the US also is going through major upheavals, like the cycles of political or so social turmoil of flux that were longer, just like economic cycles are becoming quicker and rather than becoming these big circles or whirlpools are becoming little eddies, you know, mm. whether it is that women's march, which was sparked off by the horrible comments of Donald mm. Trump to mm. the black lives matter, which has, I think by what I'm seeing of the American media is the biggest protest um, nationwide of its mm. kind in our lifetimes, at least. Mm -hmm. And the Desi population, like when Modi and Trump had their rally, you know, there's such a huge, Mm. They see, you know, machismo that Modi's a guy who's put us on the map. Mm. Isn't that a really interesting place also to maybe write your next story? And if you would, what would that be about? What, what is the dynamic between Desis and, uh, and the Videshis there? And within the Desis themselves, you know, there are the ultra conservatives, like you said, but then there are many others who are way more evolved in their outlook and just understanding of social complexities. What would that look like? And what is that churn like? Just describe it to me from your experience in university and just moving around there. Yeah, when I first got here, I mean, obviously due to culture shock and just having traveled so far away to a new place, I was lonely in the first month. And then I contacted a friend from who's Indian, but she lives here. And I was like, you know, you should invite me to any parties that you have because I want to meet new people. Um, the, the people that I'm already meeting uh, without making an effort are all engineers and they are very problematic either they say they are not political or they say they or they or they support modi and so i really needed a sense of community because my program is primarily white so then this friend invited me and then i got in touch with um people from latin america africa southeast asia and uh, so that's one good thing about the united states because it's siphoned off resources from every part of the world it has built these universities that that you know bring people from everywhere and really um, people who are fascinating thinkers and, and they've done really interesting things in their past lives. And so I got the opportunity to, to meet uh, 
progressive and radical people from different parts of the world and see what their politics are like um, and, and how does that relate to their respective context. Uh, and so what, what I learned was that people in other parts of the world, uh, progressives especially, look at the United States as a place which doesn't know how to protest. People don't know how to come out on the streets. Uh, I mean, before the George Floyd protests happened, uh, we, we, we didn't expect that anyone would ever come out on the streets and demand anything because they are very comfortable in their lives or they have internalized all the discrimination and, and prejudice that exists in their society. And so especially this is true for uh, my, my Latin American friends who are like, this is not a protest culture. People have absolutely no idea how to protest. In our universities, um, every time you enter a university, you have to sign an agreement saying that you will not unionize. You cannot uh, unionize and uh, sort, of sort of carry out a strike or something of that sort. That's not legal. So, and then there's police. There's the police on every university campus. There's a private, um, there's sort of the police of the campus, which is like absurd, like, who allows the police on campus. So these are the things that we were very critical of from the beginning when we got here. And then uh, when the George Floyd's murder, after George Floyd's murder happened, uh, we were all really angry. And you know, at the time, the coronavirus cases were still pretty high in my area. But my friends and I, we decided that we are going to go out and protest. It was a very difficult decision to make. I feel like there's no one answer because some of my friends stayed back and, you know, their mental health uh, was so fragile that they were too anxious to step out of the house, even for protesting, even though they are radicals. So, you know, some of us did go out and uh, I, I was one of them. And I, and I saw like two kinds of I went to two protests. So the first one was in a nearby town called Springfield, where there's more people of color and uh, many black people. But uh, here in Northampton, my town, it was it's a primarily white town. And so those the differences between the two protests were very interesting to note. Um, in Springfield, it was the few white people who were in the protest were actually getting very confrontational with the police. And they had to be told to not do, do that because that would really just make the, the black people and other people of color in, in the crowd more vulnerable to police violence. In Northampton, there was no confrontation with the police or, or, or anything of that sort. It was all very peaceful. And so, but also because it was primarily white and I, I just feel like, yeah, it, it was just a more convenient and safer protest than the one in Springfield. So I feel like what's... We, we all, when we come to the United States, we bring our own cultures and contexts into conversation with this country's um, existing culture. But we cannot really do much as international students until U.S. citizens step out on the streets. We, we were very critical of a lot of things that the United States does long before people came out on the streets. But we couldn't do much because we are bound by visa regulations, this, that, and the other. Right. Now, uh, you said that a lot of your South American friends and peers have that view of America that this is not a protest culture. They don't know how to protest. You come from India where, you know, there are protests about everything. Uh, I don't know how effective or ineffective they are. I mean, I'm, it's hard, I'm sure, for you to kind of put yourself in a frame where your opinion wasn't colored by those around you and what they thought. But what is your view as an Indian who has seen the protest culture here? Hmm. How effective are our protests uh, how sincere are our protests? How powerful are they? And how much are they backed by institutions and 
the spirit of democracy as compared to America? Would you say that that no matter how much we criticize it, they get democracy more than us or that's a myth? I feel like America has the privilege of maintaining these robust institutions of democracy uh, much better than many other parts of the world. But that doesn't mean that I feel like that, you know, what that really does is that people here feel reverent to, to the government. They feel like because the government is one of the best in the world, they shouldn't be so irreverent towards it, which is not a good thing in any democratic society. Um, in India, what happens is that there is a sense of community at all times because the government can give up on you anytime. Like, you, the, you know, you, you, if you want to approach the government to ask a question or to uh, resolve an issue, it's, po it's entirely possible that the government will respond to you uh, in, in very negative ways. So people have found a way to make sure that there's always this sense of community, even if they're not necessarily protesting on the streets, which is, I think, you know, this is my theory, that the reason why people are so indi individualistic in the United States is because they don't need to rely on each other as much as people in other parts of the world, or, or at least they don't think they need to rely on each other. But in India, uh, I've attended the uh, few protests in Sha a few days of Shaheen Bagh protests, and I've also attended the, sim the similar kind of protests that were happening in Ranchi at the time. And I feel like when people are sitting on the streets in India, they are not necessarily thinking in terms of, we want to speak to the government or get the government to change the ways or that or that that is necessary uh, outcome of this particular uh, project i feel like they're also thinking in terms of i'm sitting here and then this this other person is sitting next to me or there's this entire crowd around me and i'm part of this i belong here and i'm you know it's it's an organism the, the entire protest is an organism of its own i feel I, and i just i don't know if that is something that I felt when I went to the protests in this country because, because people were still very, people are still Americans, you know what I mean? Like they, they're still very careful about their, their space and their, their personal space, et cetera. And it doesn't just have to do with the virus, the pandemic. Um, so I, that's the difference between India and the US. I do feel like institutions tend to respond more in a more structured manner in the United States. and probably more, even more quickly um, than they do in India. Because in India, institutions can get away with a lot more than they can in, in the United States. Which is why I think it's very important for people to protest in the US, because when they protest in the US, real concrete uh, and immediate um, things can okay. be accomplished. Right. So there is a lot that is happening in, in India. Uh, like you said, those the spate of lynchings and the polarization among among uh, you know uh, along religious lines is something that we've all seen in most hor horrible ways even in speeches and utterances of some party spokespersons on television and then there is of course the class divide which has been there for the longest time and it was most you know clear when the lockdown happened and thousands and millions of migrants had to walk and i was pleasantly surprised that there were a lot of communities and i don't mean religious communities but whether it was you know, uncle auntie communities of RWs and all, who I would not normally think would step up and feed. They did. A lot of people did many things, maybe because they were home and had nothing to do, but maybe I'm just being overcritical. There is so much wrong in our society on the unfairness kind of canvas, whether it's religion, whether it's class, whether it's gender. Uh, and I know from, you know, when much of your commentary, gender is something, gender injustice is something that really bugs you and it really pisses you off and 
and you are have aired those views often hmm. uh, but why is it it is why did this particular theme catch your fancy to do the story and not another when you have seen so much of that as well for for this particular story the yes. writing yeah. yeah well it's a i saw a very good opportunity in the point of view of the girl in picking the point of view of the girl because that way i could talk about um the gender discrimination that she faces because of moving in the body of a woman moving around the world but at the same time she could reflect on the struggles of this young muslim man now there were multiple things that i was thinking like what do i don't know much about being a working class girl so i chose the third person uh, point of view instead of doing the first person point of view um but at the same time i'm my i felt like my context is closer to the girl with the black bindi than it is to the boy in the white skull cap because of the religious difference between the boy and me so i wanted someone else to tell the boy's story who is closer to my context but but is not me and that's why i so that was one reason why i picked the girl's character and the other reason was that i'm 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 just sick and tired of of the way women especially in small town india are treated and and the way their dreams and ambitions are trampled upon every day and how much we have to fight for like just the basic just the basic things you know like i was um, in 10th grade i got some 97.2% and i was the jharkhand topper and uh, oh, my yeah. brother went my cousin brother in delhi got 95% 2 years ago and he went to singapore to national university of singapore because singapore will uh, national university of singapore accepts you just on the basis of your 10th 12th marks so you know after 12th grade i told my father uh, 12th class i graduated i told my father that i want to go to singapore also and i have the grades um, but my father was like no you're not going to singapore you know it only had to do with the fact that i'm a woman in the same family uh, a guy had two uh, sort of it was 95% and i had 97% but i couldn't go because i was a woman so every at every step of the way i was made to feel like i i have to hold back i i cannot dream big enough and then obviously like living in in a conservative hindu family staying locked up at home and not being able to wear even like sleeveless or shorts because it, even if it's so warm i was constantly feeling these things and i i feel like you know even though my mother comes across as a very conformist woman she's actually very very rebellious and i was very privy to her rebellious streak so i learned a lot from her and that's why this is a very important issue for me and if you've noticed in the story that i have i have made the effort to sort of highlight the the struggles of this girl as she moves around the world um, either falling in love or mourning the the loss of this young man right so how did you end up convincing everyone to be there in the us how how did i oh to for me to be here yeah i never bothered like the process of starting to convince them like i never even bothered with that because i knew they wouldn't agree so i just applied to the universities that i wanted to go and then when the acceptances came i sent it to my family and so that's the thing with my family when people other people especially white people praise me or appreciate me then they are very happy and so i got these acceptance letters from all of these universities in the us and i sent it to my father and my bade papa and they were very happy and then i said that i'm going and uh, my mother said then when will you do shaadi 
and then i mean obviously there was a big fight and i said listen this is ridiculous i worked really hard for this you should be congratulating me instead of you know this is your immediate next question so uh you know i mean there was just a fight and then i left and obviously the you know there's this idea that a woman shouldn't travel too much alone or basically she shouldn't do anything alone all by herself um she should always be tethered like she's some sort of an animal to a man either to her father or to her brother or to her husband but you know i was i was just putting my feet down and being very rebellious but at the same time i had the privilege of an education and uh, the good luck or fortune of getting accepted in these places so like my father my middle class father was constantly caught up in this ki acha matlab you know like ye sab bhi hai ki beti ko you have to keep in check but at the same time like she is getting accepted in these places so the the idea that you have to educate your daughter was a very important one also in our family i don't know maybe they wanted to educate me to make sure that i end up getting a very educated husband but uh, you know for some for one reason or another it it worked in my favor not theirs right so do you do a lot of travel on your own like what do you i mean yeah. have you been you know around the around the us on your own have you traveled outside the us by yourself i traveled around the us i've also traveled to latin america tra- traveled in europe um africa is one continent i've never set foot on and if the common if the pandemic was not uh, ongoing right now the commonwealth short story prize ceremony was supposed to take place in rwanda so that's something that i'm really feeling bad about but um i would soon go to africa too and i feel like traveling is such a good way of opening up your world and getting new perspectives and but you know when i travel i do see a little bit of the small town girl in me that i'm i'm, I'm constantly scared or i'm constantly making plans to make sure that you know things work out my biggest fear is not that i will end up in mexico for instance and not have a uh, an airbnb to stay in my biggest fear is that my mom and dad will find out that i don't have an airbnb to stay in and <laughs> i'm stuck you know yeah it's it's always like that yeah no i pity you uh, this uh, you couldn't go to randa i had the Fortune actually going there. I think it was last year for a conference. And if you do go there, uh, the I'm sure you will go to the genocide memorial which they have. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away. Uh, and the guide there, uh, he was uh, a boy when um, you know the massacre happened, the Hutu Tutsi massacre. And mm-hmm. he was telling me about what the radio would say and what it was like. And mm-hmm. I was like, my my hair stood on end because the similarities on what our media says. and what wow. he used to tell me that this is what we used to hear on the radio and this is the kind of commentary that used to go on and and that this was you know it slowly led up to the final you know the the, the when the machetes came out and those clubs came out hmm. and uh, it was it was yeah very similar as far as the media commentary is concerned in fact this time in the media rumble you know it's cancelled and we can't have the physical event but he will be speaking we, he's going to be speaking on zoom because i thought it was important we tell that story right but uh now what next are we i mean are you looking at writing short stories uh, since you are a writer and you studied writing as well screenplays um video uh, mini series films documentaries have you thought that far ahead yeah i mean sometimes i do think in terms of screenplays because i really enjoy watching movies and and tv series but i haven't started seriously working on any any right now my primary project right now is a novel that i've been working on for almost 2 years and um short stories is something that i write to remind myself that i can still start and finish something because when you're writing a novel you forget that 
Um, so, first, so first and foremost, I want to finish this uh, long project and then, you know, maybe I'll write a few more short stories, essays. I also write uh, creative nonfiction. So just personal essays and memoirs, etc. And uh, maybe one day screenplays. Well, we look forward to that, Kritika. And if I may say so, like, Entitled Tauji, that we are we at Newsland, we are very proud of you. We have <laughs> brought us name. Bahut hamara naam roshan kiya hai hamari ladki ne. So <laughs> thank you. Congrats, yeah. And thank you for making the time and good luck. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.